day one of the 32-team straight out of Vegas NFL preview, and we start with 32. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. Who is number 32, also known as the worst? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, now, what does the Vegas market say about Jacksonville? So one of the things you can do is you can get the win totals, stack them up, and say, huh, Kansas City's the best, blah, blah, blah. Where's Jacksonville? Last four and a half wins expected. Okay, so literally you and Vegas agree, you being the only two-time winner of the Super Contest and Vegas being Vegas, Jacksonville's the worst. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to save a lot of pain to the country. Steve's been struggling with the word tanking because he wants to use the word tanking so bad for Jacksonville. We don't let him say tanking because he said it so much about Miami and was so wrong. He just It's a ban in a way. And justify, wouldn't you say? Yes. And there I... is no such thing as tanking. There isn't. It's just how you define it. No one's trying to throw games. No one's saying miss that field goal. Hey, if we put this guy in, he's worse, but no one knows it. So we'll have a better chance to lose. Nah. It's just not the I mean, unless the game's fixed or something. I mean, it literally would be illegal in a way to do that. Right? People are betting on this stuff. Sure. But there is deferring your reward. Faz, let's say that because of your bad record against me, heads up, you needed to borrow 50 dimes. Right? So you want 50000 If I borrow, lend it to you at, let's say, high risk, 14% interest. 14%? Hey, two points a week it would have been back in the day. So here's the question. <laughs> Before you had the mansion. Here's the question. Do I not like money? Because I, all of a sudden, is handing over money now, right? But the theory is what? Over the long run, you're making a good investment. I'm going to make more. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm going to have more money coming back to me. Yes. Right? Jacksonville saying, listen, to win in the NFL, you got to have everything go right to be a champion. Remember, it wasn't that long ago Jacksonville was leading New England in the AFC Championship game in the second half. That's a fact. right? So they know what it takes to get there. And they know how far they are from there now. So what happens? You make decisions that all of your money coming due is focused at a similar time in the future. Why get a little bit all along the way and never having enough? Why not defer? So what do they do? They trade Ramsey. Now the Ram- it's it's the opposite. It's the opposite of what the jet. You know, in in a way, it's what the Jets are doing. It's the opposite of what. Seattle's doing. Seattle's saying, we'll take some pain later because we think we can win now. Jacksonville's saying, we'll take some pain now because we think we can win later. Yes. That's not tanking. All right. So let's agree Jacksonville, though, does have their eye towards winning in the future. They're not going to be making any bad decisions to win now. What's the second big thing about this team? Well, if you look at Minshew, and it's consistent with what we discussed, Minshew, I feel, is a poor quarterback. He's my number 30 quarterback. Maybe Jacksonville is higher on him. So number 30 in the NFL, you think, is one of the worst starting quarterbacks. Yes, and bottom line is he wasn't bad for the first half of the year. He was just a slightly below average quarterback, but then when he came back after Foles got hurt again, he was a poor quarterback in his last five games. I got to wonder, the film, the league got some film on him, and the stash was not not good at the end of the year. And this is what we've seen with a lot of those accidental starters from last year. The guys that weren't expected to start, they started. They did very well early. Then the opponents see their limitations, and there we go. So, if you had to make one play of all the different bet types, what would it be? Either over or under. Could be anything. What is the best play, pro or con Jacksonville? Under four and a half season wins, RJ, but it's just a strong lean, and here's why. A strong lean? Yes, go ahead. under. I think Jacksonville is very much helped by there not being many fans in the stands this year because they have such a horrible home field advantage. This actually helps them not to have fans in their stadium and when they go on the road. So the conclusion is the following. Jacksonville has been so bad for so long and their fans are so bad. Steve Fezzik says the fact there won't be any fans there, it'll be just a normal Sunday for them. And thus, that negative is not quite as negative for them. And that's the Jacksonville positive. Yes, the number 32 team, Jacksonville with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. This is the 31st best team in Fez's rankings. So the worst team yesterday, Jacksonville, Washington, the second worst. 
that's both Fezzik and Vegas. If you look at the Vegas um, stack rank of win totals, does that feel right to you? Yeah. Yeah, this seems right. And I mean, Fez yesterday was uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, a lot of a lot of shade at Gardner Minshew. Um, oh. I mean, you know, he doesn't know. like good looking people. <laughs> he, he's got something against Minshew, that's for sure. I, I mean, and Minshew's a you know, when you got a name like the Stash, you're, you're not a bad looking <laughs> dude necessarily, right? They don't yeah. call Portly guys the Stash. No, no. So here's the numbers on Washington football team: Super Bowl odds one eighty five to one. Season win total, five wins. So think about that. They go 5-11 and 11 and say, whoo-hoo, we met expectation. 4-11, <laughs> uh, we fell short. 6, oh, well, I guess 4 <laughs> and 12. And 6-10, and 10, break out the celebration. Prince is going to be on. Yeah, so low expectations. Division odds, just to win the division, 13-1. to 1. Just to make the playoffs, 5.5-1. to 1. So this is a league that for worst to first is no problem at all. It happens all the time, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen to Washington. So this is what I asked Fezzik first, and we're going to do this as the first thing with every team. What is the big question? If you could have any question, betting question answered, what would it be? Let's listen. How is quarterback Haskins going to respond to the brand new coaching staff that's being brought in? When you look at Haskins, here's a guy who really struggled last year to put it all together. First seven games, he was bad, but how bad was he? In five of those seven games, he had a QBR rated below 20. To put that in perspective, an average rating is above 50. That's almost unheard of for a quarterback to get seven starts and have five of the seven be that atrocious. But he turned it around. At the end of the year, he had two really solid games, especially the game against the Giants in the final game of the year. So how long is it going to take for Haskins to respond to the brand new coaching staff and bring his game up? So here's the irony that we're going to have in a minute. Our second clip is going to be he's actually got a prop. He's actually got a prop up that he's going to give us a pick on. And then he's giving us a forced pick on Washington over or under. Now, to me on Haskins, it's almost almost ironic that the fact that he has a reputation to not be a guy cracking the midnight oil when it comes to studying the playbook. Let's say it nicely like that. In a way, that's good news. Because imagine that you had the results, the performance that Haskins delivered, and you had two choices if you're Washington. One is he did everything right. That was the best anyone could have done, and that's him. The other option is he was not studying. He hardly knew the playbook, whatever. If anything, if those rumors are true, it actually is a good thing for Washington because at least there's a chance that he would learn the playbook or whatever for this year. Does that yeah. make sense to you? Uh, yeah, it would be like if, uh, all right, give me your give me your best stuff and the fastballs in the mid eighties. You got to hope I'm holding something back. Well, right. I'd be ecstatic in the mid eighties. <laughs> I okay. would too, no doubt. Let's actually do. Let's get the prop back because we're gonna have two bets. We'll give one before the break and one after. I, very generous like that. This is and one of the things we're gonna do. And he's actually forced to make ten prop bets of the thirty-two teams because that's the way I am. I force them. This is one of them. Let's listen. McLaurin to go over 1,050 pass reception yards. He was a rookie last year, really a standout year, a little over 900 yards receiving. I expect that he will continue to improve upon that, especially because, RJ, the Washington skill position players, the wide receivers, are so weak. McLaurin is arguably the only guy that should be starting in the NFL, and because of that, he's going to get all kinds of targets. Okay, there's a nice prop pick there. And if you actually look at the PFF numbers and all that, literally 70 being a borderline starter, not one of the um, playmakers was even 70. So these are like not even not even one average NFL starter at 75, except for McLaurin and thus the pick is there. And you might say, well, they're going to get the attention and all that. Yeah, but again, when you're the only guy, you usually it's it's about volume. And that's the thing that you got to keep in mind with these props. Some of it's about efficiency. Some of it is about how many chances you're going to get. And I think in this case, it's about the chances. And we got Fez's forced pick in a second. 
how much, and I'm asking as a sports fan, as a media guy, how much does all the tumult, the name, the sexual harassment accusations, all the firing, so obviously it feels like there was some truth to the accusations. Why do you fire people otherwise would be my thought. We'll still say allegedly. How much does that affect this team? I think that it affects them, but I almost wonder if in this offseason it's better to have it happen in this offseason where everything is thrown for a loop all over the league than it would be in another offseason where everybody's continuing as normal and it's the Washington team that's got to deal with this distraction. But couldn't you say this is compounding? It's not like these distractions take away from the normal COVID distractions for Washington. Yeah, and and I would also say that if you are a skeptic of Dwayne Haskins, the fact that in an offseason when he's really tried to prove that he's the guy and now not only does he have to deal with a quarterback they traded for from Carolina, but then the return of Alex Smith, who everybody's going to be rooting for. And Ron Rivera came out today and said Alex Smith is going to compete for a starting quarterback job. So, so first off, no, I don't think if any, if a first round pick is worried about Flipper, when <laughs> Allen with his hand, I mean, his hands are tiny. I, I, I don't think, you know, listen, I think if anything, they went with Flipper Allen not to have someone breathing down Haskins back because the reality is you got to get the quarterback right. I mean, if you think about the teams that have done it in a way that showed how much they cared, Let's put Arizona front and center. This is a team that, that had, what, the 10th pick on the quarterback? Yeah. Within a year, a lot of people could have said the coach wasn't great. They fired him after one year. A lot of people could have said, oh, the O-line was horrendous, which it was. No, they said, yeah, he had his chance. And then they went with the number one pick and got it right. You know who else did that? Or it seems so. You know who else did that? Seattle. Remember when Russell yeah. Wilson was drafted? They had yeah. like a big uh, money free agent in Matt there. Matt Flynn. Yeah, yeah, Matt Flynn. Off the Green Bay, right? So, yeah. I mean, to me, is I, I feel like they give Haskins his chance, and then they hopefully move. I mean, you know, if you are a fan of Washington, hopefully they move on. If he doesn't do well, I don't think Flipper Allen's the issue. And by all accounts, and you can tell me if you've heard otherwise, and let's give some legitimate applause Alex Smith making the progress he has, but this year being actually seeing the field seems very unlikely. Yeah, it seems unlikely as well, too, but him even being at this point to get cleared for full football activity, contact, everything, no restrictions. No doubt. I mean, that that seemed unlikely. So I don't I don't know what to make of it. If, if you saw the ESPN documentary they did on it where they showed yeah, just yeah. what was left of the leg after all this, the, the scarring and, and taking away of the stuff that was infected a leg that he you know could have lost or he could have lost his life uh the mm-hmm. fact that he's gotten this far is crazy no doubt and in, in, in no way do i want to diminish that but you know i think on the field the odds are this year at least not much of an impact i actually am a little different a little different here let's do this let's get fez's take first because we had a forced bat let's listen Lean Washington football team over five wins, minus a dollar twenty. It's all about that Washington defense. Now everyone knows Washington has a strong defensive line, a lot of young talent there. Even if they hadn't picked up Chase Young, that would have been a real position of strength for Washington. And I think that oftentimes when you get a position that's so loaded, which they should have with Chase Young, that's going to turn that defense from being a below average defense to being a middle of the road defense. And if you have a middle of the road defense, my goodness, five games seems like an awful low hurdle. Lean Washington over five. Hold on a second. You're saying awfully low. And then you say lean. It's a lean Explain. I just can't trust Haskins. I know he had two really good games at the end of the year, but those seven games beforehand, RJ, new coaching staff, leap of faith that Haskins is going to be an NFL quarterback. You sound like a f***ing hippie. All right, well, not enough trust for Steve. (laughs) All right, not enough trust. Now, here's what I'll say. I like it a little more over, but I'll put a quick caveat on it. The reason I do is because I believe – that Rivera coming in there, he is getting so much power that it's kind of us against the front office, against everyone else. I think he'll do a good job leading the team. But here's my advice. Look to play Carolina 
from game five or six on because with COVID and all that and all the changes, it's going to be a tough transition for them to make. Like any team with a new coach, now you got a quarterback who doesn't love the film room. I think they start slow. A lot of people say same old Washington, but I think this team does very well, Washington, in the second half of the season. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. And now it is time for team number 30, Steve Fezzik's Childhood Heroes. Cincinnati Bengals. So here's the question. We always start with... What is the one big betting thing to know about the Bengals? Cincinnati Bengals, so unlucky last year, RJ. They only won two games. Who's your favorite team? The Bengals. Grew up in Dayton. So so that horrible record. ah, Ah. Bad luck. (laughs) Bad luck. (laughs) Explain. 0-8 in games decided by one score. It started out week one. Remember, Bengals went to Seattle, dominated for much of the game, lost by one point. And then at the end of the year, they lost in overtime to Miami. And in between, six more close losses. Boy, the Bengals should have had more wins last year. Or some would say, losers lose. That's true. But in the long run, there are teams certainly with a propensity to losing and some winning, but there's still a lot of luck. And if all you did was say, give me all the teams that had the worst record in close games, and you said, are they better? If If God would come down and say, how good are these teams really? Most of those teams are underrated. It's so powerful, those wins and losses. If you look at the flip side, the two teams from last year we were preaching the entire year on Straight Out of Vegas were overrated. Green Bay, Seattle. Why? The opposite. A lot of close game wins. Exactly right. And inevitably, usually those wind up being about 50-50 Seattle under Russell Wilson. Well, it winds up being 50-50 over the long, long term, not over the short term. When they're six or four, they can go anyway. Exactly right. Like Russell Wilson had never won more than he lost in these close games and just last year. Seattle well, hold, hold on. Russell Wilson over his career was negative three games in under five or in close games. Right. But it wasn't like he didn't have one year that they won. It was throughout his history. Exactly. Yeah. So when you said he never won, you were acting as if it was multiple years. Yeah. Listen, we are hard enough on Russell Wilson because there's so much love of Russell Wilson. And I think it's a little too much. I'm RJ Bo straight out of Vegas. Steve Fezzik talking about his childhood team, the Cincinnati Bengals. Question two, always. If you could have the answer to any question about this team, what answer would you want? If Joe Burrow can be an effective NFL quarterback in his very first rookie year, because look at the weapons. A.J. Green, he was out all of last year. He comes back. You've got two other good wide receivers in Boyd and first and a second-round draft pick and T. Higgins' first pick in the second round. The weapons are there, R.J. Can Burrow perform? All right. So you're generally optimistic, though, about Burrow. I am, yes. All right, so you got a prop on him in a minute. But let's let me ask you this cuz I'm going to push back a little bit on Cincinnati's optimism on offense. Let's agree AJ Green though he's 31. Yes. For a receiver that's getting up there, especially a receiver it's missed multiple you know almost entire seasons now recently, wouldn't you agree? Yes. Okay. Also quarterback is king like Cash How would you rate Burrow, and obviously it's a projection right now, versus Andy Dalton? Burrow, my 32nd rated quarterback, Andy Dalton. Of all quarterbacks, so there are some non-starters ahead. Yes, and Andy Dalton, 21, so Dalton rated much better. Jones, you ever notice when he says a number he doesn't like, he mumbles it? He goes, (laughs) Andy Dalton, 21 versus 30? But somehow the offense is getting better. Well, Ryan Finley did play three games last year, and that was a disaster for the Bengals' offensive stats. What did you do with that Finley jersey you were wearing? Yeah, I thought there'd be a bump. <laughs> he did. He came in and said, I'm upgrading Cincinnati. They're going to play harder. True or false, did you upgrade Cincinnati when Finley came in? Uh, yeah. I mean, that the guy won two super contests. I mean... I should have been in those contests. <laughs> Not my best work. <laughs> so, Joe Burrow, you're going to put your money where your mouth is. You have a prop pick on him. Yes, I'm going over 3,700 pass yards for Joe Burrow. That works out for about 230 yards per game. Three good wide receivers. And let's face it, the Bengals still going to be trailing in a whole lot of games this year. Over 3,700 pass yards, Joe Burrow. All right, that's the first pick. Now you've got a forced lean or like 
You don't have to love it, but you got to give us something over or under for the Bengals. I'm going to lean over five and a half. You got to just the lean. So three games lean. so far, not one like. Go ahead. Yes, and we talked about the improvements in the Bengals' offense. Also, their left tackle, number round, first round draft pick Jonah Williams, was out last year. The entire year, he comes back. Another reason for optimism on the offense. And it's a valid point. If Burroughs exceeds expectations, there are the element of it's like having two first round draft choices when you have a guy that missed the whole season. AJ Green's almost like another first round pick. I think. It's not even a debate. The worst coaching staff in football is Cincinnati. Yeah, Zach Taylor, I have no confidence in, and that's why it's just a lean. All right, but you do have an official pick on Burrow over. Jonas, real quick, what's your thoughts on the Bengals? Uh, under. I think they're going to struggle. Their, their season to start off with is brutal. They get the Chargers and that pass rush in week one, and then week two they've got a short week and they're at Cleveland, and we know the percentages on 0-2 teams and what the future looks like. I think there's a, a strong chance they're going to be 1-7 to start out next year. Real quick, let's give the odds. You know, Jonas is a pro. We're going to start having him read the odds before. <laughs> Super Bowl, 150-1, 150-1. to 150 to 1. Season wins, Five and a half. The division odds, 26 to 1 to win the division. Playoff odds for the Bengals, 7 to 1. Not good, as Chevy Chase said in Caddyshack. And finally, Fez, you got the lean on over five and a half. You got the like on Burrow over passing yards. 11 trained men face to face on the field of play. Each man a specialist, but one man stands above the rest. He occupies the most critical position in the game. He is the quarterback. Counting down from 32 to number one, Fezzik's power rankings, number 29. And if you missed anything, go back, just search RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas, your favorite pod player. It's there for free. I've been trying to say charge, but they won't, so okay. Carolina Panthers, number 29. Super Bowl odds, 125 to 1. Season win total, 5.5 juice on the over. So six wins would exceed expectations out of the 16. Five would fall short. Division odds, 16 to 1 to win the division. Playoff odds, about 4 to 1 against. And they have a week one game against the Raiders. Carolina's at home. That's an interesting one. All right, let me ask you, Jonas. We got a bunch of stuff from Fez here. You know, 30 seconds. What do you, what's your big story with the Panthers? It, it's a little strange, just the design of the team. They've gone out and they bring in Matt Rule. They give him that big-time contract, and, I, and I'm good with that. I like the idea of giving these long-term contracts, a la what they did with uh, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, what the Celtics did with Brad Stevens. Long-term deals. Let them know we're going to build with you as our head coach. They go out and they sign Teddy Bridgewater, but then it feels like it's a rebuild. Yeah, they get Teddy Bridgewater all this money. They say goodbye to Greg Olson. They say goodbye to all the veteran players. They sign a running back to a long-term deal. It just, I don't know that... Well, not a running back. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, but I don't know if this is a rebuild or if they're really going for it. It feels like it's a long-term plan, but it feels like they made short-term moves. See, I think this is the brilliance of... and, and. the new owner is uh, David Tepper. Yeah. Right? Is that how you... Yeah. Yes. And, and he's a borderline genius. I mean, he may be a genius. I'm always... I, you know, genius is such a strong word. You know, I think there might be 10 walking the earth, so we don't want to use that too much. But I believe that Tepper is right there in that conversation. And Why? Because he went on to the hedge fund world and dominated. And the hedge fund world, when you dominate, you buy football teams after. So this is like the <laughs> highest caliber. Like you win that game, you get to playing NFL games as the owner, right? And he's doing this exactly how, quite frankly, and I don't know every movie he's making and there's advanced stuff he's doing. I probably wouldn't be able to see clearly, but I love what he's doing because the question you're raising, Jonas, I think is the brilliance. Teddy Bridgewater, you say a bunch of money, $20 million, right, for a quarterback is actually about half of what the quarterbacks are getting now, right? The best. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're 
that it's not a lot of money. I'm saying it's a guy who's pretty rock solid. And this is probably a good time because Fez actually, when we asked the one big question, that question was, how good is Teddy Bridgewater? Let's listen. How good is Teddy Bridgewater? I got to be honest. I got Teddy Bridgewater completely wrong last year. I lost a lot of money. The Saints kept winning with him, and I kept thinking, hey, the stats aren't there. Now, Teddy Bridgewater wound up with a QBR of 49. That's slightly below average. But we can't ignore the fact 5-0 and straight up, 5-0 and against the spread. And it wasn't just against Cupcakes. He beat Dallas. He won at Seattle. He won at Chicago. And that level of play for a guy that looked like just a game manager, he sure did make the correct decisions to lead his team to 5-0. and I agree with Fez. I don't think he's as good as the 5-0, and but I think he's solid, middle of the road. He's a face of the franchise. He's a high-character guy. So what can you do early in a rebuild? You can build culture, team culture, and you can keep the fans engaged with just enough. It's, everyone thought when the Lakers paid Kobe those last two years it was a big mistake. I thought it was brilliant. Because by that one contract, though you're rebuilding, it keeps the fans fairly happy because they get to see Kobe. Seeing Bridgewater, McCaffrey, I think it is going to keep the fans engaged while the rebuild is happening. Quick thought, we'll take a break. Yeah, it's a business decision. I think some of these and the Christian McCaffrey, I like the Christian McCaffrey deal. I just think clearly Carolina is the worst team in that division. He blocks, directs, and executes the on-field fortunes of his team. The quarterback lives in a world of pressure. How well he lives with it and reacts to it determines how good he is. And we go now to team number 28, and we go to the NFC East, none other than the New York Giants. And we want to give proper credit here is Fez is anchoring these babies, and he will get all the credit and all the blame. (laughs) And finally, a best bet. But first, the big question. What is the question that you'd want to know the answer to? I'm not even going to let you decide, Fez. I want to know how good Daniel Jones is because there's NFL guys, serious guys, think he's really good and others think he's really bad i i would say as much uh d- d- disparity in opinion with daniel jones as any quarterback i can remember yeah there's some good and there's some bad from last year you know the very bad he could not feel pressure when he was pressured so often he got stripped 11 fumbles lost rj that o-line just couldn't protect well enough and daniel jones does not quarterback well when he's under pressure and the O-line, obviously, with a COVID uh, decision not to play, got hurt, the Giants. Yeah, so Nate Solder opted out. He's the second-best lineman for the Giants. Now a whole lot of pressure on their number one pick, first-round pick, number four pick in the draft, Andrew Thomas. If he doesn't step up, this could be a real huge problem. Now think about this. is 11 lost fumbles. We know how big turnovers are. The second-most lost fumbles in the entire NFL – was seven, Carson Wentz. So the entire league, and Daniel Jones didn't even play the whole year. So, you know, is this something, the hand size, is this something feeling the, I don't know, but if you're going to lose 11 fumbles, you're, you're not going to be playing very long. All right, well, listen, you've got a best bet. Let's hear it. New York Giants under six wins. I frankly gave this out back early in June, RJ, under six and a half. I still like it under six. So really what you're telling us is that you were so (laughs) sharp, you gave it out months ago, and if you had acted then, you would got a better line. So all the new listeners, because our show's growing so fast, hey, tough break, buddy. Hey, (laughs) they're still going to win money, RJ, and it's all about strength of schedule. 2019, the Giants had the easiest schedule in the NFL. This year, they have the second hardest. So think about this. Cupcake schedule last year, Giants can only win four games. RJ, how are they going to win six games now with one of the most difficult schedules in the NFL? They're only favored once all year long. Okay, so the strength of schedule is something that serious batters take very seriously. Uh, Amateurs don't. So right off the bat, if there's something, the professionals, it doesn't matter what the endeavor is, right? Maybe it's mountain climbing. 
if all the pros are doing it and all the Joes aren't, no offense, Jonas, you want to <laughs> do it, right? So strength of schedule, add it. But let's quantify this, Steve. How, do, I mean, I see the numbers. It's like 58%, 20, you know, 47%. So let's use the Giants as a quick example, and we'll go through it quickly. How many? What, what's their strength of schedule this year, last year, and how many wins does that convert to, do you think? Yeah, so last year, easiest schedule. This year, second hardest schedule. I think that's worth one and a half wins by my numbers, just a strength of schedule component. One and a half additional wins if they had the exact same quality team. Yes. Wow, wow. So when I was saying the numbers, just you know, write it down in your notes, I wasn't saying just repeat what you just said. <laughs> it was the idea that you were going to say, okay, it was 58%, you know, blah, blah. But we'll do that in a future time. You do, and it's really that simple. Is, is you're saying you don't see anything that makes you excited about the Giants to the positive, and you're seeing that the market hasn't properly accounted for how tough their schedule is. Exactly right. And I think in general, and we've talked about this in, co- in a COVID year, that – uh, rookie coaches, it's going to be a heck of a challenge. Generally with rookies, Jonas, and you know this is true, uh, if you fade them early and play them late that first year, you do well because people are usually excited early and they're not ready yet. Then they lose some games, maybe one they didn't expect to lose, and everyone turns on them. That's when you want to start betting on them. So I think with Judge, you don't have a ton of experience. He was going to go, what was it, Mississippi or Mississippi State? And now the Giants in a COVID year? I think it's going to be tough. I agree with Faz on this one. This is the face of the tiger. We get to team number 27 today, and it is none other than the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins, what's the wise guy opinion? Number one factor, the Dolphins are underrated, RJ. Why are they underrated? Because they were terrible back in September. There were some motivation issues associated with the Dolphins. Bottom line. Motivation issues? That sounds like someone that like OD'd <laughs> and he said he had some in-talks issue. No. So you're saying you believed with all your heart he said, I'm Steve Fezzik, and I believe the Dolphins are tanking. Correct? Correct. And in hindsight, you figured what? They might have been kind of with ambivalent motivation for two games. Yes, but the bottom line was in the first four games, they got outscored by 34 points Well, bad teams, game. losers lose. We've talked and, about and this. And those losers had such horrendous stats in September that that carried over. There was no saving this team statistically as bad as they were in September. So even though they won only five games, so you could say the truth of last year's team was five wins, Fez is saying amongst professional batters, they look at the stats and they say, like, on Dallas is the example of this. Dallas won eight games, but their stats were so much better, like a 10-win team. Yes. They really believe Dallas was a 10-win team. With Miami, you're saying the stats say they were worse than a 5-win team, and thus that's why maybe the total, which right now the total for them, Miami's over or under six wins. You're saying this would be six and a half maybe, but because those stats were so bad last year, they're perceived to have been worse than their record. And you're saying the stats for Miami those first four games were not indicative of the truth because of questionable motivation. Rosen at quarterback, who's not an NFL-level quarterback, in the last 12, they were much better in that. Because of that mm, disconnect, Miami's underrated. Exactly. All right, I can accept most of that. What is the one big question? If you could have a genie... What would you want answered about the Dolphins? When are they going to replace Fitzmagic with Tua? And I got to tell you, RJ. So you must be thinking, when he comes in, baby. I want to fade Miami. Fade. And here's why. I'm big on Fitzmagic. He's my number 15 rated quarterback. He was a top 10 quarterback in QBR stats last year. When Tua replaces him, I think there'll be a lot of excitement about Tua, but I view this as a big downgrade in Miami when and if, of course, that happens. I always like when the professional opinion is different than the public. When Barney at the bar says one thing and Fez says the other. Jonas, wouldn't you agree that a vast majority of casual or even harder core NFL fans would celebrate Tua becoming the starter? 
Oh yeah, because they just want to see the excitement. They want to see what's going to happen. He's the you know the one of the top picks of the draft. He's got all the buzz surrounding him. I wonder if maybe they're more inclined to not play him at all this year, just based on the fact that we're probably not going to have fans in the stadium anyways. And so the whole we've got to sell tickets goes out the window. Yeah, but what about the old the way to get better at football is playing I know. football. I know. I, all right, that, that's why I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. No, I agree with you. Yeah. It's just like all this waiting for the perfect yep. time. All right, Fez, so force pick over or under, and is it going to be a lean? No, this is a like. I'm going over six, a little extra vigorous on Miami. We spoke about why they're undervalued, but also they've upgraded. Miami has, look at running back. Last year, Fitzpatrick was the number one rusher with 240 yards. No running backs. They pick up Jordan Howard. From Harvard. They pick up Breida. And now on defense, pick up guys like Byron Jones and Van Oy. Much better team this year, Miami. I like over six wins, minus 125. Okay. That's a second like. I like it. I don't love it because I do think two of my – I mean, here's what we know. The coaching staff down there is one of the best young staffs in – you know, we talked about the Bengals earlier. I think one of the worst staffs. Miami, one of the best. Do you agree with that? Yeah, Flores did a great job last year. And this is a Belichick disciple that seemed to maybe have learned the right lessons. I also believe – that that long view, that equity might have them put to it in sooner. Because if you're trying to avoid an injury like Jonas is talking about, I agree, you keep him out. But if he's not hurt, you get better playing football. At football, you know, you get better playing. And to me, they might even take some losses this year to get Tua reps. So if I knew for sure that Tua was sitting the year, I would go with over with you. I think two of my play more than people think, so I'm just going to keep it as a lean. But I agree with you generally. The pick is over. That's being optimistic about the Dolphins. Do you fear the force of the wind, the slash of the rain? Go face them and fight them. Be savage again. The palms of your hands will thicken. The skin of your cheek will tan. You'll grow ragged and weary and wet. But you must do the best you can. We get to team number 26, and they are an AFC East representative known as the New York Jets. Oh, this is going to be the most interesting one yet. Pull up your chair, get out your pencil, because there's a lesson here, Jonas. Super Bowl odds for the Jets, 100 to 1. Season win total, 6.5. So seven wins would exceed expectations, six would fall short. Division odds just to win the East, nine to one. Okay. First question you gotta ask yourself, Sam Darnold. Now we know Colin here at FSR loves him. It's it's really um a mystery why so much, but we'll leave, you know, who knows? Right? It could be, you know, innocent. But the fact is, you can't even judge the Jets without judging Darnold. We got Steve Fezzik, our pro football expert, his take on Darnold. He hasn't been very good. 28th in QBR in 2018. Last year, 25th. Currently my number 29 rated quarterback. The narrative is that Darnold improved throughout the year after he had mono and that the Jets won because of it. The truth, the Jets won despite Darnold, specifically the last five games of the year. If you look at Darnold's stats below average each and every game, his last five. Now think about that. QBR is the best single stat in quarterbacking. Just not even a debate, really. It's not a perfect stat. Nothing is. But 50 means average. In fact, these days, 53, 54 means average because since they set the average, quarterbacking has improved. But let's just call it 50. Last five games. Now, I know mono can be devastating. I mean, I, you know, I remember kids... You know, they could hardly go to the school dance the next week. I mean, it, it was a tough thing, but I saw the Brady Bunch. But here's the thing, is when you play five games to end the year, and we keep hearing about how strong the Jets ended, because they did as a team. And in the first of those five games, Darnold does worse than an average quarterback. Second worst, third worst, fourth worst, five worst. Five straight games, five straight performances below average. How that can be anything but below average, I don't know. Pro Football Focus did a projection. They look at the first two years of a quarterback, and they say, where did they project to, to be ultimately? And if you look at where Darnold is, literally his comps, his comparables, 
are Blake Bortles, Geno Smith, Christian Ponder, Mark Sanchez. Just that simple. Wow. It's math. Yeah, and it, what you hear other quarterbacks that are criticized like Trubisky, and you look at his career so far compared to Sam Darnold's, I think Trubisky's been hands down a better quarterback. I would actually argue if you look at that draft class that came out, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Rosen, I don't. I don't know if I would put. Bake, I don't know if I'd put Sam Darnold's career thus far ahead of anybody's other than Josh Rosen, who hasn't got. Yeah, no chance. Even I yeah. don't even think you can. Yeah, it doesn't mean he can't turn it around. It means history says this is his level. Baker Mayfield is projected way better. He's yeah. right there with Dak Prescott. If you look at Pro Football Focus, okay, we got a bonus best bet from Fez. It's a total over under Le'Veon Bell. Jets running back Le'Veon Bell under 875 rush yards. It's all about the offensive line for the Jets. Five new projected starters. Now, this might actually be an upgrade for the Jets' O-line. However, I am very concerned about how they're going to mesh with Le'Veon Bell, who runs with a unique running style where he often hesitates and then evaluates the blocking scheme of his O-line and then makes his cut. Not being familiar with the O-line and how they set their blocks is going to be a big disadvantage to Le'Veon. I expect Bell will struggle early in the year with these changes to the O-line. Bell, under 875 rush yards, best bet. I'd be much less than 875, but Le'Veon Bell, under. Very sophisticated point from Steve Fezzik, pregame.com, which is Le'Veon has a unique running style. You might have upgraded that O-line. It's going to take a while, that transition, especially in the COVID era, so I think Bell starts slow at minimum. And then this being likely the last year he'll be in New York based upon the buyout and all that, how much does he want to bang his head at the end of the year? We know he makes business decisions. I mean, if he has over 875 yards, I think it's an indicator that they don't fully trust Sam Darnold because they're running the ball a lot. That's a fascinating point. And what is certainly an indicator they don't trust Darnold is the fact they traded away their best defensive player with for a play to the future when this is supposed to be the time when you have a good quarterback, and we'll put that in quotes, a good quarterback on a rookie deal is when you're supposed to be able to win it. Okay, last thing here, and this is fascinating. Fascinating. If you look at the teams that have entered a season, all right? So if we look at this, they had a losing record the previous season. So seven wins or less. And we're going back four years now. Those teams, there's 54 of them. So the Jets fall right in the middle of that, as in they're a losing team last year. And the question is, what does their win total do? Does it go up or down? Because they were bad last year. In only six cases, including the Jets, did the win total go down compared to the number of wins last year. So the Jets won last year seven games. This year, they have a win total of six and a half. So they have a losing record last year and a win total less this year. Only has happened six out of 54 times. Why? It's because usually... Almost always, a team that loses the year prior is the kind of team that got bad breaks, maybe a bunch of injuries. The Jets had a lot of injuries. Right? It might be something where they had a tough schedule, a lot of turnovers, all these different things. Jets actually led the league in injuries. You would think they'd bounce back. They won seven games last year. But somehow, only about 10% of teams do they expect to regress, even though they were a losing team last year. But if you look at the list, Jonas, almost all of them were in tank mode or first-year head coach. You've never had. It's really rare to have a veteran coach and a quarterback in place and have your win total go down after a losing year. This is an extreme amount of pessimism for the Jets in the marketplace. As they say in Tinseltown, roll them. The battering ram of the Eagles was its defense, a unit that consisted of more spit than polish, more grit than glitter. That brings us to team number 25 on our countdown. 32 all the way to one of NFL teams heading into the 2020 season, and it's a team in your backyard, RJ, those Las Vegas Raiders. And, Faz, you got the under here. So, let's just start there. Under, and the win total here is? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. 
one reason is you believe last year's seven wins was deceiving. Yes, Raiders are overrated because they did win seven games last year, but this team got outscored by over 100 points. So if you told me that, that's the only piece of information I had, a team got outscored by that much, I'd say this is a 5-11 and team. They were fortunate, won some close games to get to seven wins. Aberration for their win-loss record. So this is the Pythagorean theorem, correct? Yes. Whereas they say in the long run, the number of your, your point spread margin is, or not even point spread margin, but your actual win margin is more important than your actual wins because you're going to win half or whatever of close games in the long run. If you win more or less of those, it can affect your record, but it doesn't really affect how good you are. Exactly. So in a way, they were more convincing in their losses than their wins last year. Second reason you are pessimistic about the Raiders. Strength of schedule. The Raiders have a very difficult schedule. Third most difficult in the NFL this year. Last year, RJ, they had one of the 10 easiest schedules, so much tougher opponents this year. So another way... They, they were overrated last year. They had a relatively easy schedule. They relatively won more games than they should have. Everyone's saying, hey, that's the new normal for the Las Vegas Raiders. But in truth, that new normal should be more towards five wins instead of seven. Exactly right. But somehow, they were only five-point underdogs at Green Bay. One of the great yes. mystery lines I've ever seen in my life. And they almost covered that game. It was a fluke they didn't. Last thing for me. So, Fez, make it official. Under Raiders, under? Under seven and a half wins, best bet. The thing that causes me a little concern there is John Gruden loves veterans. I think in this pandemic era, veterans is going to be in, uh, an advantage. But I think that advantage is one they suffer for later, meaning they're going to let go of rookies and keep veterans the Raiders will, Gruden will, which helps them maybe transition with COVID. But it hurts him later in the year, hurts him next year. So I'm gonna call I'm gonna say I agree with you, but I don't love it. The young knights and the old warriors carved a battlefield in the sky. Number 24. So we've counted down 32, 31, et cetera, et cetera. We're at 24. The Houston Texans. Now, Super Bowl at 65 to 1. Season win total. Have you seen their season win, Jonas? I have not. All right. What, get just gut feeling blank. What is it? Nine. Out of 16 games. Nine. I think I would have guessed eight and a half, seven and a half. Wow. The Houston Texans are expected to be a below 500 team, a losing team. Deshaun Watson unequivocally is a top five, six, seven quarterback, right? I mean, I think seven's even two outside the range. Top five, right? Six? Yeah, I would uh, six or seven seems right, right. just off the top of my head. So to me, I think it's hard to put them past seven. So let's say, okay. Okay. When's, When's the last time, how often does a top five, six, seven quarterback have a losing record in the NFL? Yeah. It's uh, that's a little bizarre. I'm I mean, think sure. about it. Drew Brees. There were a couple years when the Saints seven had the wor- yes, two yeah. of those worst defense like in the history of the world. They went seven and nine. When when Aaron Rodgers is healthy, they always better than you know. Always got a winning record, right? Yeah. Or at least you know, eight, well, winning. Tom Brady, obviously. Peyton Manning, obviously. Big Ben. Steelers have not had a losing record once when Big Ben's been there. So. It's like, why is this Houston team so bad that they're like a historically bad team for a quarterback as good as Watson? I I chalk it up maybe a little bit to there's a a dislike for Bill O'Brien, a Bill O'Brien doesn't know what he's doing sort of strategy. And there's a lot of people that really hammered him pretty hard over the trade of DeAndre Hopkins. And they said, what is he doing? How could you trade away a guy like that? But if you actually look at their receiving core and you look at that team, they got their tackle figured out. They're going to get their quarterback's contract figured out. If their defense plays well, I don't know who in that division you would look at and go, oh, well, that team by far and away has run away from the Houston Texans. Yeah, but if you only win seven games or eight games, it doesn't matter who. Most of the time, it doesn't matter who. And that's the thing. If the line, if the total was eight and a half, I'd say perfect, right? I don't think they're nine because you know they're weak at receiver at this point. They're thin, a lot of injury prone receivers. I'm shocked at the win total. First 
one of all the win totals in which I'm saying, huh, Houston supposed to be a losing team with Watson? I don't get it. But here's a weakness for sure. Wide receivers. Now, it's easy to look at that sore thumb of or the sore spot of trading away one of the best receivers in the NFL and seemingly not getting very much back. If anything, a, a running back that best days are behind him, I think it's fair to say, who's expensive. So I'm not sure of the sense it made. But Brandon Cook's concussion issues, that's an understatement. Concussion issues. The rumors are that literally one more concussion, he might have to retire. I mean, at a certain point, these guys, you know, and you got to feel bad for him, but it just is what it is. And then you've got Will Fuller, and he's played 41 of 64 games in four years. So various injuries, he's missed 20, about a third of the games, more than a third, he missed. So you got a fragile Brandon Cooks, you got Will Fuller, who misses more than a third of the games. If one of those guys is out and they have one serviceable receiver and then nothing, I think that is the trick with this Texans team. They got both receivers. I think they're going to be a nine kind of win team. But the games that they have, either just one of these guys, if one's out, Jonas, I think that it's going to be lockdown time because against NFL defenses, if you just got one viable playmaker on the outside, double team, whatever they do, they shut that guy down. And if there's no one else, I don't know if Watson, I don't, I don't think he can do it without any playmakers. I think that's the weakness on the Texans. What do you think? Yeah, at first glance, when you say seven and a half wins, I immediately think the over because I just I look at it and go, if you've got a top tier quarterback in the NFL and you've got a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, you're going to go 500. But, I mean, again, 500 is right on the borderline of uh, an injury here or a missed assignment here, and next thing you know, they're below 500, and they are that 7-9 and nine team, and you lose your bet. I think it's a race for second place. I like Indianapolis in that division. I think Indianapolis is a dark horse contender in the AFC. Big, big question marks, though, because yeah. if, the quarter, I mean, if the quarterback turns it around, you're right. Super Bowl contender, effectively. Yeah. But if not, what are they? Yeah, and so Houston's Houston's interesting, I, and, and it's going to be a lot on Deshaun Watson, and if he hasn't gotten his contract by the time the season starts, then he's going to earn it this year for sure. All right, so here comes the best bet, but let's just compare Watson to Aaron Rodgers. So first year he was a starter, Aaron Rodgers had a win total of 8.5. Every year since, he's it's been 9 or higher. So Aaron Rodgers, when he was un- uh, proven it was eight and a half and nine or higher since. I mean, you will not. That's an interesting question. We've had teams really have bad years, but when has a top quarterback like this ever had a win total entering the season as a losing team? I'm not sure. Here's Steve Fezzik. He's got a prop best bet on one of these receivers we've been talking about. Watson over 4,050 pass yards with Houston projected to be below 500 this year. Their season win number seven and a half. I expect Watson, regardless of who he's going to have to throw the ball to, this is just usage that he ever has had to before. Part of our big handicap here is he's going to be almost hamstrung. If somehow they are winning, you don't like this bet as much. What's the scenario that you like this if Houston goes over? I don't like it if Houston goes over. Okay, so it feels like the over is saying that the team's going to go under yes. in win total. Is there a time the team goes over, the Watson goes over? Because then you got the right bet there. Houston could win eight or nine games, and I would still like Watson over, because that's still less wins than they got last and year. And the current win wins. total is? Seven and a half. So you're saying success that gets you over still isn't enough success to invalidate why you like the over in passing yards. Correct. Alright, so his pick here Brandon Cooks, he has under 850 and a half, 850 and a half passing yards, or in this case, receiving yards. To me, Jonas, the reason I like this, it's the injury situation. I think this line is probably right if he plays, let's say, 15 games, like a, a good 15 games. And if he doesn't, it could be a sure winner, right? If he's out four or five games, it's almost impossible for him to go over. Brandon Cooks, 850 receiving yards. So it's kind of like you might remember one of my favorite bets I ever made 
on air was the Eli Manning situation where I didn't think he was going to play much of the year <laughs> last year. And his, his uh, quarterback touchdown throws was like 19. And he had had 19 when he played the whole season the year before. <laughs> right? So Fez is on it here. And what we were debating, and it's interesting, is the idea of if Houston is behind, right? If Houston's behind or having a bad year, Watson probably throws for more yards, right? Because by throwing for more yards, it's a situation where when you're behind, quarterbacks throw more. So in general, if you're pessimistic about Houston, you kind of think that Watson's going to throw for more, regardless, under Brandon Cooks from Fez. Doug Atkins was like a storm rolling over a Kansas farmhouse. He came from all directions. And all there was to do was to tie down what you could and hope he didn't take the roof. We are counting down 32 all the way to one with our NFL power rankings this season heading into the 2020 year. Team number 23, the Detroit Lions. Steve Fezzik, Detroit Lions, number 23. Now, is this lined up with Vegas, meaning you got your Fezzik power ratings? We got the Vegas uh, market ratings based upon the odds. Where does the market have Detroit? Market has Detroit number 26, RJ. Market does not think Detroit is nearly as good as I think they are. Ooh, and you got a bet coming up on it. Let's start with how we always do the one big betting thing, meaning if you're a better when it comes to the Lions and you can only take one thing away from this discussion, what would it be? The quarterback injury last year. The Lions had to play eight games last year with backup quarterbacks. So it's hard enough to have to play with Jeff Driscoll. He's not very good. He started three games, but the five games with Blau, the third string quarterback, and Blau was absolutely atrocious. And thus, at the end of the year, you look at those Lions stats, they don't look very good. Of course they don't. They had half their year compromised on offense because of these two bad quarterbacks. So what you're saying is, you know, it's curious. Why does a guy named Blau never like you never say like the best quarterback of all time? Blau. <laughs> it, it's like names are. It's almost like destiny in some ways. I mean, there's exceptions, but if you could be like uh, Tom Brady, The Rock. Oh wait, that, that he made that up. But okay, still, it's the same concept. I'm actually very optimistic about Stafford this year. He had a surprisingly good year. If you actually look at his, and he really took almost exactly half the snaps. It's like 49.9 or something if you look at it. Stafford, if you just double his numbers on the counting stats, last year would have been the best year of his career. Yeah, his QBR was sixth in the league. Number six in the entire league. Detroit was, yes, Detroit was 3-4-1 when he went out. And so just, just slightly below 500 team and Stafford playing very well. But I'm not. This is what I'm saying: is if you went around and said, "How did Stafford do last year, Matt Stafford for the Detroit Lions?" You would have said, "Oh, he got hurt, right? Lions stink." The idea that you would say a guy who some people have believed at various times most valuable quarterback in the NFL. We've had professional batters tell us they thought that two years ago, three years ago, that last year. That was by far his most disappointing season when it came to the end result, when it came to the overall injury, was his best season when he was playing, which was half the games. It wasn't like one game or two. Most people don't understand that. And I objectively think that's true. So if you are optimistic about Detroit, like you seem to be, I think Stafford at age 32 playing so well even with the distractions with his wife's health concerns last year, it was a Herculean effort of mental toughness. Yeah, it's a great point with his wife having cancer and the like. Huge distraction, and he still was on pace to ha- having a great year. Let's make it official. You've got a bet on this one. It sounds like it's going to be positive to Detroit, but how are you getting at it? There's a lot of ways to get at it. I'm going to play best bet Detroit over seven wins, RJ. That offense underrated because of the horrible quarterback play. And bottom line, Detroit was unlucky last year. Hey, they weren't going to win eight games with those backup quarterbacks, but Detroit went three, eight, and one in close games. So Detroit really should have gone about six and 10 last year. They only won three games last year. If you can win six games with 
half your season with these backup quarterbacks, then you should be able to win eight with Matthew Stafford. The pick is Detroit, over seven wins, best bet. Okay, in the market, because yesterday Houston had seven and a half wins, but you had Houston, you have Detroit better than the Houston Texans. Yes. Detroit Lions are better than the Houston Texans. <laughs> Today, at least, says Steve Fazek. This is so fascinating to me, Jonas, because how do you get a pick? How do you find a game with an opinion, or in this case, a season win? Well, what's your comparable? What are you saying is the starting point of your handicap? It's last year's Lions team. Now we say, how was last year deceiving? Well, Stafford wasn't there. There was this, there was that. Now, what's changed this year? Now you make those calculations, and then you look at the result, compare it to the number, and in this case, seven wins, Vegas is saying. Faz, you say more, more than that. Yes, Detroit Uh, Lions, I expect to win eight or more. Beneath a giant birch tree, where Father Soren once sat smoking a peace pipe with the Indians, Rest the bones of Newt Rockney. His spirit has yet to be buried. Two teams have gained a champion's fame. Two teams of men both skilled and game. Men who have battled as brothers through combat thick and thin. And now they confront each other for a prize only one can win.